the more steps that you take and the more ownership you feel, the more you can start to build a life where you get to have more ownership and prioritization over your own life. I'm Margaret Kelsey. I am Devin Bramhall. And this is Don't Say Content, created and produced in partnership with Share Your Genius. Huge shout out to our producers at Share Your Genius. Thank you so much. Thank you for believing in us early on, supporting and making this podcast come to life. And if you, dear listeners, are thinking about bringing an idea or your brand to life and scaling it, I'd recommend having a quick little convo with our favorite people at Share Your Genius. Just because other people have done something doesn't mean you have to do it that way and doesn't mean it's right. And the, the, the most... The people who have impacted the world the most historically have done things different from everybody else. So why does a podcast have to have a beginning? Can't we just? It's true. It's it's worth questioning. It's worth questioning. What are we talking about today? <laughs> We're talking about how prioritization is a motivation tool and perhaps more effective than some of the more creative ways that folks try to get motivation. There's always the like nice little mushroom trip, which I love to do, but like also, or like getting out of your, oh yeah. I know. It's like that. You want that in there? (laughs) I don't care. I live in New York. I can buy mushrooms down the street at a (laughs) store without ID. Like branded mushroom gummy, like, I think I can, those are just functional. I don't think those are psychedelic. Yes, they are. They're psychedelic. You can buy psychedelic mushrooms. Oh, I bought them at a farmer's market, at, at a holiday market in Greenpoint last year. They had a stand, the actual physical mushrooms in a jar. Psychedelic, trippy mushrooms. Yes. Every day there's like something new available to me that shocks me. And I'm just like, oh, I can just do that? Like no one cares? My friend once was preparing for uh, a business school interview and she needed to practice like a dialogue or a Q&A she was going to go into with one of the interviewers. I don't know. And she, I said, oh, you know, and she's like, yeah, I just walked around McCarran Park speaking my answers to practice. And I was like, would that look weird? You're walking around talking to yourself. I was kind of laughing. And she was like, Devin, think about it. I was like, oh, yeah, there's like a guy on a unicycle who goes around screaming. Yeah. You actually probably looked normal. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really funny because the opposite of that is in Boston in the common. There's a guy every morning that yells out the weather. But like that's helpful. That's like actually – that's not just like fun and because it like it like speaks to his soul. It's actually like productive. <laughs> I remember that guy. There was a year I lived in uh, Bay Village and I was still at Help Scout. So I would cross through the park to get there because they had an office. And I remember that guy. So helpful. Like really yeah. useful to walk through the common and hear the the weather report. But um, Which you're yeah. already in currently. So probably yeah, like, the jig is up by either then. Either you brought sure. it well or you didn't. Either way, you're shit out of luck. But you've made your choice by then. You know your yeah. outfit. For half the people, it's an I told you so moment. And for <laughs> half the people, it's validating. Yeah, exactly. Half it's like, oh <laughs> shit, I should have made a better choice. Yeah. Story Speaking of better choices. <laughs> yeah. Than whatever. Ugh. Listen, y'all, this is actually a really good way to get motivated. 
I find. And I was just talking to one of my advising clients about this, who's a CEO, and they were saying how they had reached several weeks in a row of an unusually low motivation. And I started asking questions about what they're what they're working on, what their schedule looks like, you know, what, the, what types of things they're doing, how many different types. And one of the things I recommended to her was sort of a nothingness ritual. My strategy for blocking off my calendar became, as a CEO, and I'm continuing this now, just blocking off time. Nothing in it, yeah. just time. I became, I mean, now my calendar is Monday and Friday is no calls. I don't take calls before 10 a.m. And ideally, as much as possible, I schedule them for the afternoon. Great. I have back one hair, hair <laughs> dangling down the back of my neck and it's tickling me. And so... Let's just put it down the front. Please put it straight down the front. Can I tell you something, actually, that's like specifically relevant to this exact thing? I can't believe this is coming up. When I was nine years old, one of our neighbors was like a photographer for movies or something. And the the Little Rascals movie was coming out and he was making a poster for it. It was a pic there was a big picture of Alfalfa, the one with the little curly Q yeah, hair. Straight hair. And he needed to take a picture of the back of my head. Stop it. As like so I was in a movie poster because they took the a picture of the back of my head and used it with the extreme part to make the front of his head for the movie posters. Devin, that is a wonderful, wonderful factoid that I had never known about you. It's like the least interesting thing I've ever said. No, are you kidding me? That's the most interesting thing you ever said. Like, that's absolutely amazing. Yeah. Yep. But that you do you have the, a yeah. wonderful part line. Like I feel like your part line is alpha alpha esque, which it makes a lot of sense. Today it is. It's not it's not usually. Um, but yeah, I think that I have learned for me over time that when I try to power through for too long, there are moments where you need to hustle. But when I try to power through for too long, I get to a place where I spend a lot of time trying to do something and end up accomplishing nothing. And I'm more tired from it and yeah. more stressed. Whereas when I just stop and waste time and then go have fun, I get, when it comes back to it, I might be a little agitated because I feel sort of under pressure, but then I get a lot done really quickly and I feel fine. I actually feel a little bit relieved. Yeah. And this actually happened to me recently. I think it was last week when you and I were recording and I came in and I had just been really, really productive all that previous week and through the weekend. And you were exhausted. I was cranky. You were so cranky. Like cranky I where I was like, oh, we got to reset before we – yeah. Where we bring this vibe to the pod. And I didn't really recover all week either. You know what I mean? It wasn't a big productive week for me because if you let yourself get to that place where you're sort of getting on the edge of like a, not a big burnout, but a minor burnout, um, situational burnout. It's overwhelmed. No, I want to, I feel like we should use specific words here. And I think it's not burnout, but it's, it's overwhelmed. Like you were overwhelmed by the amount of tasks and stuff that you were doing. And I lost the context to, to kill my darlings. Yeah. 
to ruthlessly prioritize. It was like, I didn't have, I stopped seeing the forest. I only saw trees and I was like, there's a, and you were just chopping those freaking trees one at a time. Yeah. (laughs) And I don't want to kill trees. I love trees. Let's keep the trees. Yeah. I just need a helicopter. Go talk to the Lorax. Like he speaks. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's like a little speck on a little tiny. Yeah. And you know, what's funny. It's so simple, but I think this whole, I'm not saying this necessarily as a knock on the startup ecosystem because I've experienced the benefits of this as well. There's this hustle culture and I love hustle culture some of the time because I think it gets you out of that, that moments of being too precious and, but there needs to be a balance of all of it. There needs to be a balance of hustle and focus and prioritization and et cetera. I see now better how I get off balance when I go too far in one direction. Yeah. There's a really good book earlier when you were talking about like the, not even like hours worked, but like the mix of work and the mix of when work happens. Daniel Pink wrote a book called When, The Scientific Secrets of Perfect Timing. And the book is all about that. It's not about it's not about like how or how much. It's like timing can really change your own ability to do things. Like I think in there they were talking about how judges give out harsher sentences right before lunch and eat like more lenient sentences after lunch. Because we like our decision-making framework changes based on physiological signs, which change over the course of the day, right? Our hormonal and chemical balances change throughout the day and throughout the week and throughout the month. And so it like makes sense that you would time things in a way that like your motivation will be stronger to do tasks or to do different types of tasks at different times of the day. And it's very dependent on who you are as a person, right? Like some people are, it's true. Some people are morning people. Some people are night owls and the type of work that you do at any part of the day can make it so much easier. And it's about understanding that and then flowing with it and just building your schedule to account for that. And that can be really freeing and make your life a lot easier. The other thing I'll say is I heard something a couple months ago that totally changed my life. Actually, at this point, maybe it was about a year ago. I heard this saying, this phrase, and I should figure out where it came from, but it was, would it be okay with you if your life got easier? Mm. That was a gut punch to me because it was like, how many times am I forcing something right? How many times am I like digging deep on the motivation and like making myself do something? And would it actually be okay with me if my life got easier, if I worked with my life instead of working against it? Yes. You know, there's an ownership to that too, where one thing that I think you and I have both heard a lot of and probably even felt ourselves at certain points in our career is it's sort of easy to feel in a work situation that you don't have control because, you know, you're working for an org, they may have their own structures and all of those structures may not work for you in terms of what time certain group meetings are held, type meeting types, et cetera. That's inevitable. I don't think we're saying that a perfect existence is, is, necessarily optimal, but there are, there's time within that where you have control over how you spend it. Maximizing that where you can is a way to balance out the aspects of the workday that are not in your control. Yeah. Because 
even as a solopreneur now, there are aspects of my day and aspects of my month and aspects of my life that I don't have a choice about. Yeah. I have to to balance the books every month with my bookkeeper. And is it my favorite thing to do? No, but that's just life and it's fine. And, you know, the clever people find ways to automate it as much as they can or get support or whatever. But this was something that I was really baffled by at animals was the number of people. This wasn't always the case. This was like a new thing where people were just, they acted helpless about everything. And I was like, do you, there's a lot of choice in here. Yeah. And it's just like, I'm not happy with my current state. It's someone else's fault. Usually me (laughs) or the company. And it's just like, that was it. And I'm like, you know, you're not stuck, right? You know that there are options. If you internally seize your own power. Yeah. There are things you can do. But I think I think a lot of people don't know this and a lot of people are waiting for permission. And so if that tends to be you, Devin and Margaret have given you permission to go look at your calendar and figure out how to optimize it. And I think that it can be really like you are the only person that will ever create boundaries for your like work-life balance, whatever you want to call it. Like you are the person that will do it. The company will will never be giving you more boundaries, right? It's not their responsibility. Their responsibility is to maximize maximize your business impact, right? And that tends to be because they don't know when you're going to be, when the timing is that you're going to be more motivated or or work better. They're just going to say all the time. And it's your yeah. responsibility to have that boundary to say, I can be the most impactful if this is my structure, right? And it doesn't right. really ask. Like just complaining like, oh, I'm burnt out. How about you say, hey, I noticed that I was experiencing a prolonged lack of motivation and thus my productivity has been lower. I did some digging into why I was feeling that way. I identified some optimi- optimizations I can make in my schedule. I don't, you know, I want to minimize impact on my team. This is what I propose to do. Yep. And I want to try it for the next month and see how that works. To support this, would it be possible to change this one thing or something? Yeah. There's you not know, a manager have... on earth that would be mad about that conversation. Well, there's probably a manager somewhere that would be pissed off about it. But like, that is a very intelligent and and self-aware conversation to have. It's also like when you go to people with solutions, they'll want to help you more. I think there's a if you're the one who's always complaining – and not taking ownership of your own well-being, it gets, you know, those are a lot of times those are the people that get, they're the first to get laid off. Cause it's like, this person's just like a pill. I've heard the argument like, Oh, well I could get fired if I, you know, that's a made up thing that everyone can get fired all the time for anything or nothing actually. And also and, and, and you get like, fired for a boundary because something isn't working for you. I don't know. I feel like that's... It's a messed up company. You should leave anyway. You know, I was actually guilty of a version of this recently with a friend of mine. Ahrefs taught me SEO. It was our infrastructure at Animals. Yeah. Like that was part of our like tech stack and everybody at the company used it. And I just remember growing up at startups and nobody was ever there to teach you your job. And you had to learn a lot along the way. Help Scout 
was where I really had to get my shit together with SEO strategy. And I was like, what do I do? And one of our growth marketers walked me through Ahrefs. The UI looks like it's a lot, but then you go and start using it and it's like all logic. It's all logic. Like it's all marketing logic, the way it works. And so you're kind of like, oh, you're just like giving me all the answers. And it's also the fact, the reason that I feel like it feels like that is because it is so powerful. Like you literally have access to information that I had no idea that I could actually access. Competitors, keywords, how they're ranking, like absolutely powerful stuff in order to understand how your content and brand programs are. So Ahrefs, thank you so much for not only a fantastic product, but also sponsoring season two. Yes. And also helping me achieve my first big objective at Help Scout. It was pretty important and aggressive and it kept me in my job a little bit longer. So So thank you for Devin's salary back then. Ahrefs. Don't say Ahrefs. Say Don't say Ahrefs. Don't say Ahrefs. Say Ahrefs. 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 You know, I was actually guilty of a version of this recently with a friend of mine. I got upset about something before I asked for the thing I wanted. Ooh. 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 And I went to her like frustrated uh, and We talked about it, you know, I was having an emotional moment. I was being irrational, like, but I had kind of moved on and we talked recently and she brought it up and it took a few more days even after that, where she like brought the awareness to me about how that conversation felt. I hadn't seen it from her point of view. I was so busy being emotional and in the moment that first the awareness was there. And then I thought about it more and I I sent her a voice memo yesterday morning. I said, I just want to let you know, like, I, I never asked you and gee, isn't that unfair of me? Like I never gave you the chance to say yes or no, or propose a solution, a different solution. I just decided how you were going to be, said it at you, got myself like, you know, and I think it's like the in your head stuff. That's really challenging to get out of. Again, this person that I'm advising, the CEO there, the consistency thing that they brought up on the call this morning was, I feel like I should be doing this Mm. and I should be doing that. And then other people saying, Hey, you should be doing more of this. I said, okay, your response is what's the ROI of doing this activity? Why do you believe I should be doing this? What impact will it have? It was about an an activity, whether they should do networking or not as a CEO. Yeah. And at this stage of the company where they're just launching a new thing and I said, who's your customer? They're, they're overseas. And so, you know, networking in Austria where they live, she's not an, you know, her, she's English language first. And basically they said, oh, well, the majority of our customers are English speakers in these two other countries. I said, so why would you waste your time networking in Austria where your partner is already doing that and is perfect for it? You know, it's like the shoulds kind of got in the way of like actually a quite logical decision that they would normally make. I think the obstacles that people often cite for why they can't design the life they want need to be challenged with a lot of questions to help break that mindset first. Because the shoulds will take up your to-do list to the point where you aren't working on the thing that actually moves the needle or actually has impact. And I think the thing that you and I were talking about, and even with this podcast, we had a a conversation the other day because you were doing all of the things. 
so many things. You were like going back to the forest metaphor, chopping down all the trees, all the trees, all the trees. And you and I sat together and I was like, I can't do that. I can't meet you chopping trees down because I say planting trees. Sure. Planting trees. I don't know. You were chopping though. I would love to plant trees with you, but I feel like you were chopping trees the other day. I will stick with my metaphor because it felt like you were doing a lot of physical manual effort and not cultivating and like nurturing and like believing in the time of the growth. You were forcefully doing a lot of manual labor. So I'm going to stick with my metaphor because I think it's a good one. But the thing that you and I discussed was the ruthless prioritization aspect of that is so, so important because it's that 80-20 rule, right? 20% of the work that you do will deliver 80% of the results. And so if you can consistently, consistently prune, so you're only doing the 20% that has the 80% impact, that impact grows, right? Because then you can do, I don't know, 40% with the 20%. I don't know how the math works. But the math works so that you are having more and more impact because you are ruthlessly prioritizing and getting the shoulds off your to-do list. And the shoulds can come from lots of places. I think that the internal versus the external shoulds are really important to understand where they're coming from because there's, to your point, so much that you're putting on yourself saying, I should do this. I should do that. I should be this type of leader. I should have this thing. I've heard somewhere that I should be doing this and now it's internalized versus like actually people showing up to you and saying you should network more. You should have a, you know, podcast or you should do this or you should be more active here. Why aren't you doing this? And I think understanding both of those is, is really powerful. Hey, Devin, do you know what the best part about our show is? (gasps) Tell me. We make so many new best friends that hang out with us every week. It's kind of weird that we don't see them hanging out with us every week, but we really, really appreciate the folks that do. And so if you want to be in our lives and us in your ears on a weekly basis, I want you to go and find that subscribe button wherever you are listening to this podcast and let's be friends forever. And please rate and review because it really helps support the show. We love you bunches. Yeah, that's been so many of the conversations I've had with founders about their marketing programs recently yeah is I'm frequently the one saying do less do more with less you're like no do less just do less yeah like I talked to this founder I was at this marketing dinner last week it was sort of a marketing leaders dinner and I was speaking with a founder who was asking me questions he wasn't a marketing lead I think he was more on the sales side so he was telling me about these activities that they were doing starting with a website redesign. And my first, I looked at him, my first question was like, why? Why, why? Oh, oh, because I think the initial question was, what is the best blog, like layouts, designs that you've ever seen? Like my first inclination is like wrong question. And, And thank God he asked it because he's asking for help. Thus I can help him by saying, probably not the best, the most useful question. Who goes to a blog homepage anymore? forever, forever. Yes. You know, that is usually the page on your site that tends to rank the lowest because, you know, search strategy, all of your distribution strategies, including search are designed to, to send you to a specific landing page on the website or a specific blog post, not the blog homepage. 
Yeah. You know? And so I was like, and they were doing tons of other stuff too. I was like, I think you can just do this one thing and you're going to be fine. Cause you don't have a marketing team, you know, doesn't have a marketing young. team and is doing all this stuff. Scary. Maybe they have like one person. Sorry. They had one person and yeah, they were doing a lot and they were really interested. I mean, I was actually kind of inspired by the conversation because he was like, I just want to do content that's helpful. It has to be great. Like really, really cared about helping the customer. So I was like, my heart was like singing, but also there was no distribution strategy built in. And so I just kept saying, I was like, if your very helpful, high quality tree falls in a woods and no one's there to hear it, who, who's, how is that tree helping anyone? That was a terrible metaphor. I ruined it, but you know what I mean? Yeah. I think the hard thing too, though, is this idea of not doing the work that you actually want to do. Like maybe he's actually secretly passionate about user experience and like design. And like, that's the stuff that he's guilt, get like getting energy from. And I think that's the interesting piece too, is when we're talking about ruthless prioritization, it's not just don't do the stuff that doesn't give you energy. Yeah. It's also don't do the stuff that isn't impactful. Yes. The sweet spot here is like is impactful to do and gives me energy. And that's yeah. how you stay motivated is to yeah. really constantly look at your calendar and your to-do list with those items in mind. Like, does it give me energy and is it impactful? And like, if you can build your calendar on that, that's how you stay motivated. Yeah. I've, I found that once I was brave enough to start practicing, no, that became one of the greatest motivators. <laughs> I was just telling you a story about that this morning where I get a lot of energy from helping people. And I often care so much that I, I don't always remember to charge people for it, which is fine. Like, I just want to help everyone in the world. I'm like, the longest game. A, Devin's playing the longest, the game. longest game ever. I'm like, do you want me to give you all the information for free? Absolutely. Um, Can I work with you in depth, deeply for the next five months? For free. <laughs> yes. But, but then what happens is I'm having so much fun and then I over-index and I get a little tired, which is what's been happening recently. And I've been feeling a little agitated. And so once I came back to that place, I've been kind of talking about it, exploring and saying, oh, I'm doing too many things. Thus, I'm agitated and not motivated. And so I started saying no to things this morning. And this was a thing that like I could actually help with. I cared about the person asking, but would do absolutely nothing for me except waste more of my time. And so I was like, you figure it out. I'm like, no, like, no, you, you talk to this person. I'm not even going to make an intro. And under normal circumstances, I would be like, absolutely. And I didn't have it to give. And I don't have it to give right now because I have to focus on me and us and the things or not even have to, sorry, walk that back. Yep. I would prefer to spend time on myself. Yeah. Thus, that is enough for me to say no. I might actually didn't even say I was sorry. I was just like, I can't help with this right now. Go talk to this person and they can probably help. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I'm always surprised no matter how much I ruthlessly prioritize and maniacally focus, I am always surprised by how much is underneath that still. Like my to-do list is still really full. 
right? Like even getting good at no, and I can't do that, and I won't do that, that's not impactful for me, and that doesn't give me energy. And like like even practicing this on a like monthly, weekly, and daily basis, <laughs> I still have too much shit to do. Yeah. Walter so and I used to get into this together. You know, he would have an idea, and he never understood what it took to, in, you know, to implement an idea. And to do it and well. And so he would – to do it well. Yeah. yeah. And he'd say, oh, just do and like I would this I feel bad because this used to really annoy him and I knew it, but I was just like, okay, so this is something you want me to do. Well, first, and I would start to like go into detail about what it took to do it. Yeah. You know, and it would make him so frustrated because I think it's easy to have an idea on the outside and it could be a good idea. But if you already have a set of ideas that are in process and have been prioritized and they're working or you haven't even done it long enough to see if it, it is or not, you waste so much time because now it's, what do you stop doing? Start to like, yeah, the context, switching. The context yeah. switching is wasteful. That's what I was saying. I, I feel like as another thing that I say a lot around efficiency is like, what is the cost of changing your mind? Mm-hmm. And do you have enough evidence to sh- to make it worth changing your mind, to show that changing your mind right now will be more impactful than staying the course? Yeah. And sometimes the answer is yes. Sometimes absolutely, right? That is why you conduct tests. That's why you set parameters around the things you do so that you can see maybe mid-quarter, oh, this is doing zero, in which case a lot of times just stopping is an option and it's pretty easy. I have been diagnosed with ADD and I take medication for it. And I also practice lifestyle to work with it. But there are days when having lots of different little things to do are a release for me, especially if I've just spent the day before on deep work. When I think about my schedule, I know the world isn't perfect. I know I can't control everything, but I also know that I tend to do my best deep work in the mornings, like mm-hmm. early mornings before 10. By around 2 p.m., I'm, I can't sit still anymore. It's like we're over it. So I also know that like coming off the weekends, I have a, I'm a lot more productive if I'm not taking calls on Monday and then winding down on Friday. It's a nice way for me to wrap everything up. I also know that if I don't do those two days and I end up working through the weekend, I lose all my motivation and focus for the entire next week. Not quite literally, like we've seen it over and over. So I block off Mondays and Fridays and, you know, I only take calls between 10 and three because I'm so sick of phone calls anyway. Not so sick of them, but like, I'm sick of the, like, remember the grind of like, you just have back to back calls every single day. And I space things out because I realize, do I need to talk to everyone this week or can it be next month? Yeah. Right. And by doing that foundationally, it means that if I have to call here or there on Monday, it's fine. You know, and so you just it's sort of accept like the rule rather than just like you have no rules. And if you stop explaining yourself, yep. right, even to bosses, you're just like, this is my schedule. This is how my schedule works. Yep. Oh, I'm doing this because and blah. No one really cares about you that much to like hear your justification. They'll only want to hear your justification if it's a problem for them. Yeah. In which case now you're, now you set yourself up for a nice negotiation. Yeah. 
I did this at one company that had an in-office culture where I wanted to take an extended an extended trip somewhere and I was going to work during that trip. I was going to like work remotely. And I knew that my performance was up, was I was killing it. So I knew like performance wise, I was in a good place and I had the ability to negotiate. But I went into that conversation and I said, I want to do this. What concerns do you have with me doing that? So I like set the stage of the stage was we're negotiating out of like the anxiety of me doing this, but like I'm doing this. Right. (laughs) And it was really useful because it was like, okay, well, I'm, you know, I think that you need uh, the FaceTime at this bigger uh, meeting that falls within the strip. I'm like, I'm fine. Like, I'm happy to like fly back for a night to to make sure I'm there and have the physical presence and whatnot. So like, we were able to get creative because I came from a place of like, let's talk about all of the ways that I can make sure that I'm successful doing this thing that's very important for me, right? And it could be that that's a similar conversation that folks have when they're deciding to change their schedule or, or like prioritizes. I need for Mondays to be my, for my schedule to be kept clean for really deep work. What concerns do you have with me going silent on Mondays? Right. And it could be like, well, yeah, this thing's more, more important or like whatever. And then you can like start to collaborate. But, um, I've had people do that with me as a boss around like maybe, you know, I, I would schedule one-on-ones based on what worked for me. Yeah. Cause obviously yeah. And I've had people say, Hey, you know, I really work best. Like we've been doing this for a while. Like I really work best as another, can we move it? And when they give me the, when they team me up to be a solution, yeah. I'm real. I'm sure. Great. Fine. It's usually an anomaly. I can totally accommodate. I, I loved those moments where, you know, someone you know, talking to me about their flow because ultimately I, as the leader, benefit from them doing that because now I'm helping them optimize their productivity, which is good for me, right? I need business, right? Yeah. Like the thing I I keep coming back to is that I remind folks when I'm not talking to founders and I'm talking to like marketers, I remind folks that like their core job when they're at a company is to have business impact. That's their job. And the business will be really fairly flexible to make sure that you're maximizing your business impact. Like folks, managers that don't really understand will, will try to say more hours is better. But most people that have some level of understanding of motivation, work, prioritization, impact, know that like you have to understand that about yourself, right? And so if you come from a self-aware place and then go to a manager who's not a complete doofus and start having these conversations, to your point, like it is a manager's like in their best in their best interest to give you some leeway to make sure that you are having maximum business impact. Yeah. I think it's just make sure you're actually having impact first. Yeah. And you know what I mean? Like you do, I think if someone came to me proactively and wanted to completely change something, I would be a little hesitant until I there was that trust built between us. Yeah. Because too many exceptions leads to chaos. You know, if you're a manager, you're managing multiple people. But I mean, I was that person. I've told this story before about Sunit, who was like, listen, you're doing he did not say this to me when I first joined. He said it after I had crushed 
my first big goal in the first, like nine months of being there. It was like, I beat it. It was a huge win. We talked about it at the offsite. Like it was a big deal. He was like, okay, listen, if you need to take off or disappear on Fridays, like that's fine. We didn't talk about it. It wasn't a pol- it wasn't a policy. I didn't speak about it, but it was just sort of a thing that I was able to do. And, but I was, you could point, like the impact was clearly there. Yeah. Right. And I think that's an important thing is like, when people come to me complaining and trying to remove, like place blame on the company, on me at this point, I have like, if there's a policy in place and you join the company and it was that way, like deal with it. Unless you say, Hey, the script we already talked about, I've noticed this thing. Here's it. Like, can we experiment or, or I'd like to experiment with this for a month. Yep. And demonstrate that this model can work. I'm going to track, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna track my time. I'm going to measure it like impact on this thing. And I want to show you that this works so we can change my schedule. I'd be like, great. You've been honest about your ADD diagnosis. Can you talk about a little bit about how you make your brain do stuff that it doesn't want to do? Like, how do you get yeah. it to do it? Cause we're talking a lot about like, Oh, like, Things that you want to make sure that it's that that intersection of emotional ROI, interest, and like impact to your point taxes and stuff like that that like you don't yeah. want to do. There's a few things, deadlines, mm. not like deadlines that I feel responsible for. Yeah, uh, I will. I will hit them because I'm competitive. Do you hit them in the last minute or do you hit them early? Always. <laughs> I always work underneath. Like I am the biggest procrastinator probably in the entire world. Yeah. Uh, So definitely deadlines help. Deadlines that I feel responsible for because I'm a competitive person and I'm motivated by feeling accomplished. And a deadline is a very small example of feeling accomplished. The other thing is the goal itself and the sort of the semi-public nature of a goal. Like if the goal brings me clout or I feel accomplished or I I feel like I'm doing something I've never done before or whatever. Yeah. If I will get recognition for it or I feel like it has made me more valuable in some way, then I am motivated. I can get my brain to do it Mm. at the last minute. And then there are some lifestyle like things. So if I'm stuck putting it off until the next day, I will bang it out in the morning. Mm. Going for a run sometimes, I'll, especially if I'm trying to find a solution to something, I'll go for a run and it just appears. And then I'm super motivated by having an answer and I can sort of move through it. But a lot of times, for the most part, I would say stopping is the most effective way that I've found to get my brain to do something. My house is always clean because when I need to just sort of like fuss around, I just go or I'll exercise or walk the dog or, but stopping is almost always the most effective for me Yeah, because I know sitting and staring at it. Oh my God. Never. Yeah. I can't do, I mean, sure. At some point when you're doing deep work, you're sitting around staring at something, right? So that does happen, but no, that's rarely effective in, getting me started. Hmm. 
I think it's just, but, but except for when it's at the last minute and these are my last two hours, then it's like game yeah. on. You have to do this now or never. Yeah. That's really- What about you? I feel like I've had a similar experience of like, I would procrastinate to the point where like sometimes I would do things like the morning, like in school, like the morning of it being due. I would rather go to bed and early and wake up and do it first thing in the morning because I was so, so time boxed at that point. But if I was going to like stay up late to work on something, like then I have unlimited, not unlimited hours, but it felt like I had more hours. So to sometimes I would like go to bed and then set an early alarm because I knew that my anxiety would like wake me up and then I would do it because I only had that last little bit of time. Yes. But I think, no, I think your strategies are sound. I very much feel the same way where I've always been motivated by not necessarily like the clout or the external visibility of it, but very much deadlines, very much deadline driven. My worst example of that is, or my most extreme example of that is in college when I stayed up quite literally all night. I was partying all night, did some drugs in there too, like, and then went straight from there to college where I had to pitch my thesis idea to my honors program instructor. Anxiety. And I had done zero work. I had no idea what my topic was going to be. I didn't have to write the thesis that day. I had to present the thesis idea. I know, but I- And she had to approve it. Retroactive anxiety for you. It was like a morning slot that I had booked with her. Yeah. And so I had two hours. And I went to the library and I sat around reading a bunch of these books on this topic. I don't remember what it was. I think we were studying Mexico, actually. Mexican history or something at this particular period. And I was just like reading, reading. I found a thing. I went in, I presented it, and she was like, this is the best thesis I like she was like, this of is of course. Really and then good. that's the issue is then you're rewarded for the procrastination. You were and like, I went to math class and passed out, and the teacher yelled at me. I was literally like sweating on the table. I think I drooled a little bit too. Like I was not in good shape. I was like, I think I'm sick. I need to go home. Oh my God. No, that's spot on. I feel like my my things are very similar to you where it's just like either movement or deadlines or now I'm at a point where it's very much also trying to figure out what the resource is that can do it for me to the point where I'm really only focusing on the, that intersection. But that comes with a lot of privilege and a lot of, I mean, lifestyle changes too and and risks and whatever and and setting up your life in a way that you're able to to have those, those abilities to kind of question and, and build your schedule. And so I also understand that like not everyone's at a place in their life to do this fully, but at the same time, like the more steps that you take and the more ownership you feel, the more you can start to build a life where you get to have more ownership and prioritization over your own. Yeah, exactly. Practice Practice believing that you have more control than you think and operating from that standpoint. Yeah. You always have probably 10% 10% more control than you think. Maybe even like 50% more control yeah. based on where your brain set point is. Takes um, a little bit, bit of bravery to find where that is. Bravery. But, yeah. And good behavior. Ooh, try to be. I know that we're almost we're so far into this episode, but that is so core to all of this, to killing your darlings, to prioritization, to focus. 
it's bravery. When, I, when we redid the animals values, when I joined bravery and curiosity were the two things that were most important to me because curiosity is what helps you consider new options and bravery is what helps you have the courage to try and, and you know challenge yourself here's what's coming up next on don't say content but founders need to fire themselves <laughs> as heads of marketing founders this is an interesting take. need yeah. to stop they need to fire themselves as heads of marketing and go do their job. Well, and and when their head of marketing comes to them and needs them needs to leverage the founder CEO for marketing or PR, they should do their job and make themselves available because that is one of the primary functions of a CEO. Like your job is to evangelize the company. Okay, y'all, that's a wrap. Thank you, as always, for listening. We'll be back next week. And just remember, you're doing great. You're doing great. 30% of you are doing great. The rest, you got to get your shit together. Come on. You know. You know which side you're on this week. You know. (laughs) You know. See you next week. Bye. Bye. (laughs) You want to see my nose hairs? I bet we could get them. Maybe not. Okay. <laughs> Take a tour of Devin's face. It is blurry. It's blurry when it's here. But when it's here. Oh, eyeball.